Welcome to Forging Plowshares, a community dedicated to cultivating the peaceful kingdom of God. We hope this part of our ongoing conversation stimulates your mind and challenges your heart about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Please stay tuned at the end of the podcast for a short message about our ministry. Ephesians 1, 8-10 In all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention which He purposed in Him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. And so Christ is a summing up, a recapitulation of all things, everything, things in heaven and on earth. And this summing up is at once the picture, the economy of salvation, that is, this is the way that God's saving work is accomplished. But at the same time, it is the making known of the mystery of God's will. Christ is revelation, but he is salvation. So this summing up that is the gospel is the way the fullness of the times, Paul says, the fullness of God is imparted. So this gospel, this reading, this summing up, this recapitulation, it's a way of reading and understanding scripture. But in this gospel, all things are read, all things are summed up and understood. The early church father, Irenaeus, who we believe was born around 130, He calls this the doctrine of recapitulation, the doctrine of summing up. And for him it is a soteriology, that is it's a way of being saved, and it's a hermeneutic, it's a way of reading scripture. It's a continuation of focus on the rule of faith that Paul talks about, or on the apostolic preaching. Recapitulation is the summing up that I think is the gospel. That is, I think there's synonyms. That it's a soteriological summing up of all things, but to understand its saving work, it also has to be understood as a way of reading the Bible. That is, we read the Bible, and remember we're talking 130, you know, to 202 AD. So we're really, when we're saying scripture or Bible here, We're talking about the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. There really isn't the full formation of the New Testament. The term can't be separated from its literary application as a means of understanding Scripture. But this in turn cannot be separated from the way that we're saved, the economy of salvation. In other words, the apostolic preaching or the presentation of Christ in the Gospel according to the scriptures. Remember, that's Paul's line, the apostolic line. It is the recapitulation that saves. The term recapitulation has its background in a rhetorical or literary theory in which recapitulation, it's just a restatement. It's a compendium. It's aimed at a unified picture. It's a, a briefer and unified summary 
It has greater impact, though, in its summary. Think of here of cliff notes. But as Irenaeus writes, salvation is not through the prolixity of the law. That is, the law, there's an abundance of words. But according, he says, to the brevity of faith and love. And of course, in this summing up, we're always talking about the summing up that is Christ. He quotes Isaiah as saying, A word brief and short in righteousness. For a short word will God make in the whole world. Isaiah 10.23 So Irenaeus references Paul as his precedent here. Uh, he uses the notion, Paul does, of a, a recapitulation. He says that the, the scriptures themselves, you know, Jesus had said this. That they're summed up in the command that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he explains, you know, on these two commandments, loving neighbor and loving God, all the law and the prophets depend. So then by our faith in him, he has made our love to God and our neighbor to grow, making us godly and righteous. That is, here is a summing up in the idea of love and Christ, the gospel, is this concise word of recapitulation. Apart from scripture, you know, maybe this summing up is obscure, but we read Christ through scripture, but we also read scripture through the gospel. It's the epitome, a summary, an abstract of scripture that is embodied in the gospel. It's a summary. The, you know, the, the words here are, are all synonyms. Gospel, summary, recapitulation, it makes the, Paul, Paul says, the invisible is made visible. Irenaeus says, the incomprehensible is made comprehensible. God is invisible, but in Christ he is made visible. God is incomprehensible, but in Christ he is made comprehensible. So this concise word of recapitulation that is the summing up of scripture, that's what we call the gospel. Now what may be important in understanding this is what Irenaeus is not saying. He's not using the language of prophecy and fulfillment, not to leave that out entirely, but his, the notion of an old and new covenant, that's not part of his idea, or the idea of separate ages to explain the singular economy of the gospel. You know, he's up and against uh, Marcionites who teach, well, there's the God of the Old Testament, and then there's the God of the New Testament, and never the twain shall meet. That is, on the basis of the difference between the Testaments, there's a different God. And what he's describing is a singular economy. The economy of the gospel that's found in all the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures. And so the gospel is always present in the Hebrew scriptures. So he says there's nothing new in the gospel other than Jesus. But Jesus Christ was and is found throughout scripture. The apostles reflection upon Jesus Christ. You know this is Paul's refrain. According to the scriptures in 1 Corinthians. I delivered to you of first importance. Christ died according to the scriptures. He was buried and raised according to the scriptures. 
What scriptures? Well, he means the Hebrew scriptures. Oh, where is that in the Hebrew scriptures? Well, there are many allusions to it, but of course the reality comes out with the gospel. The gospel unveils scripture, and scripture informs the gospel. And so Irenaeus' effort to combat the notion of a disunity in God, a disunity in scripture, is found in this doctrine of summing up. And this disunity, you know, you actually end up with two gods. But maybe we've got the same problem today. You know, we've got kind of the plan A, plan B understanding that really predominates in Christian theology. In this understanding, you know, God had a plan. And then those humans sinned and they messed up plan A. And so now we're on plan B, as if God's not a very good planner. Law is pitted against grace. As if, oh, at first God was going to use the law, but then he decided to use grace. Creation is pitted against salvation. There's the supposition that if humans had avoided sin, God's plan would not have been changed up. But recapitulation, or the summing up, establishes a singular economy in Scripture and a unified understanding of God. There is one God, the Father, and one Christ who is coming throughout the whole economy, recapitulating all things in himself. There's a singular continuum between creation and salvation as God's plan. It's from the foundation of the world that the Lamb has been sacrificed. And Christ is always there as the completion of creation. The image of the first Adam is completed in the second Adam. And so Irenaeus pictures salvation. First of all, he's picturing it as corporate. It came to Adam and his whole race. He says, we are all from him. That is, we're all found in the first Adam and we'll all be found in the second Adam. We're all from him. And as we are from him, therefore we have all inherited his title. But inasmuch as man is saved, it is fitting that he who was created, the original man, should be saved. How is the first Adam completed? How is the image regained? How is God's plan established? Well, what was begun in the first Adam is completed in the second Adam, who is Christ. He says... All are found alike in the first Adam and in the second Adam. When the Lord therefore vivifies man, that is Adam, death is at the same time destroyed. And so Irenaeus pictures a universal and corporate captivity to death and a universal and corporate deliverance through Adam. He speaks of those who are left in death, you know, it, it is corporate, but he still has this idea, oh, you can be left out. But at the same time, he speaks of a complete abolition and defeat of death. Anything less, he says, would be a defeat of God's plan. You can't defeat God. He says, for if man who had been created by God that he might live after losing life through being injured by the serpent, that had corrupted him should not at any more return to life but should be utterly and forever abandoned to death 
God would in that case have been conquered. And the wickedness of the serpent would have prevailed over the will of God. The serpent would win out. So Irenaeus is not so much concerned to deal with the experience of the individual. And he really doesn't focus on human interiority. But he's really thinking of Paul's picture in Romans 5. Paul says, For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. And so the two Adams represent the corporate, the embodied experience of the human race. Ultimately, the second Adam incorporates all humanity. All things are summed up. In every respect, too, he is man, the formation of God. And thus he took up man into himself. And in this, Irenaeus poses the sort of oppositional differences you know, that Marcion is finding between the two Testaments. Two alternative portrayals of God. But in recapitulation, Christ then sums these up. He brings them together. The difference is overcome. The invisible God is made visible. The incomprehensible God is made comprehensible. The impassable God has become capable of suffering. And the word being made man thus sums up all things. And in the same way that scripture is recapitulated in him, so too all things are summed up and recapitulated so that what once might have appeared impossible, things that could not otherwise be bridged or brought together, are brought together in the person of Christ. The recapitulation of the whole economy unfolded in Scripture and the subject throughout, that is, who is the subject of Scripture? Who is the subject of the Bible? Well, it's Christ. It's the gospel of Christ. And so in a concise summing up, in a concise epitome, he makes visible and comprehensible what had previously been hidden in the law, in the, the abundance of words of the law. There is the obscurity of the law. There is the reality of death. But these do not compete or interfere with the economy of salvation. And Irenaeus pictures this, like Paul, as all-inclusive. And so he's countering those who would divide Scripture. I think we need to hear this today because I think we tend to divide Scripture. He's emphasizing that Jesus Christ is the unifying subject of Scripture, but he also says Christ is its ultimate author. And this unified authorship is the point of entry into understanding the work of the Trinity. How do you know who God is in Trinity? Only through Christ's incarnation. The alternative, you know, such as that posed by the Marcionites, is, well, there's two gods. There's the God of the Old Testament, and Irenaeus says, that's no God at all to divide God up like that. He says, shall it be when the Marcionites or the others who have invented as God or shall it be what is really the case, the maker of heaven and earth, whom also the prophets proclaim, whom Christ too confesses as his father, whom also the law announces, saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. 
How do we know and how do we determine God's oneness? It's through Christ. And so Irenaeus is summing up, Paul's summing up. This unification is establishing that there is one God, the Father of Jesus Christ. And this is the basis of belief in Christ. As Irenaeus puts it, the writings of Moses are the writings of Christ. They're the words of Christ. You know, this is Jesus' words in John. If you had believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, neither will you believe my words. This is what he says to the two, apparently, on the road to Emmaus. The scriptures, the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, he unfolds the understanding that they're about him. And Irenaeus extends this to all of the prophets. He says, if this is the case in regard to Moses, also beyond doubt, the words of the other prophets are his words. And again, the Lord himself exhibits Abraham as having said to the rich man, with reference to all who were still alive, if they do not obey Moses and the prophets, neither, if any were to rise from the dead and go to them, will they believe him? That is, the work of Christ is there in the Hebrew Scriptures. And the relation between gospel and scripture, it's not really here focused on unfolding history. It's focused on Jesus Christ, who is the same today and tomorrow and for all time. The point is not that the Old Testament was simply prophetic. It certainly was that. It's not simply a precursor to Christ, but the gospel is proclaimed in the Hebrew scriptures. Irenaeus describes Christ as being inseminated throughout Scripture. So Christ is not some unknown logos, some pre-existent Christ. The pre-existence of Christ, the Word of God, is connected to His presence in the Hebrew Scriptures. The crucified and risen Christ is the singular subject of Scripture revealed in the Gospel. This is the gospel found throughout scripture. And so when Marcion pictures a complete break between the Old and the New Testament, and the New and the Old Covenant, and the New God and the Old God, in that place Irenaeus says there is nothing new. The gospel economy is the singular economy, the singular revelation, the singular God. Given this understanding, he says to Marcion, read with earnest care that gospel which has been given to us by the apostles, and read with earnest care the prophets, and you will find that the whole conduct and all the doctrine and all the sufferings of our Lord were predicted through them. To those who are presented with such a claim, ask what then did the Lord bring by his advent Irenaeus says one thing Jesus Christ himself and so he acknowledges yes there's a variety of times you know like in the book of Hebrews that God has spoken in times past in, by many means there's many dispensations but at the center is Jesus Christ and his gospel in refuting the Gnostics another false teaching 
who attaches significance. This one you may not follow Irenaeus, but it's an interesting argument. They say, oh, the, the Gnostics say, yeah, Jesus was crucified at 30 years old. And they, they said, this fits perfectly our notion of the eons, of their, you know, that he in some way is the pleroma. They want to be Christians, but they want to put Christianity into a Gnostic understanding. Now, Irenaeus argues, well, actually, Jesus seemed to have covered all of the ages. And maybe he lived beyond, you know, the, the Jews say to him, why well, you're not yet 50 years old. Irenaeus says, oh, maybe he is closer to 50 than 30. The point being, I don't know if his argument is a good argument, but the point is that for him, the literary coherence of scripture, the rhetorical coherence derived by engaging scripture through Christ, that's the criterion his argument as to Jesus' age, it may lack evidence, but his point is that Jesus is present in every age. Both the normal growth through infancy to old age, but the passage of the ages of history. And that's what's actually being argued here. For the Jews, you know, it's a man who is in his 50s who's a master, who's a true teacher. Adam and Eve, he pictures that they represent the age of childhood. And all of human history is part of the process of growing to maturity. And there is not an age before Christ and after Christ, as there is the sense that in his passage through the various stages of human growth, that Jesus Christ recapitulates, he sums up every age of history. From infancy, that is the age of Adam and Eve, to the full maturity of the master or the full maturity of defeating death and this is what he says being a master therefore he also possessed the age of a master not despising or evading any condition of humanity nor setting aside in himself that the law which had been appointed for the human race but sanctifying every age by that period corresponding to it which belonged to himself, he therefore passed through every age becoming an infant for infants, thus sanctifying infants, a child for children, thus sanctifying those who are of this age, being at the same time made to them an example of piety, righteousness, and submission, a youth for youths, becoming an example to youths, and thus sanctifying them for the Lord, so likewise he was an old man for old men, that he might be a perfect master for all, not merely as respects the setting forth of truth, but also as regards age, sanctifying at the same time the aged also, and becoming an example to them likewise. Then at last he came on to death itself, that he might be the firstborn from the dead, referencing Colossians, that in all things he might have the preeminence, that he might be the prince of life, existing before all and going before all. He sums up human history. He sums up the ages. He sums up all things. And so in summary, the brief, you know, the gospel, the compendium, what do we call this? The resume, the recapitulation. It furnishes salvation so what had been lost in Adam, namely to be in the image of God and the likeness of God, 
We recover that in Christ Jesus. He's recapitulated in himself. He's summed up in himself the entire economy. Jesus furnishes us with salvation through this summing up which condenses or concentrates and so makes visible, makes comprehensible that which had been invisible and incomprehensible. And so the key point here, the literary recapitulation, you know, how we read scripture in which the apostolic preaching sums up scripture. This is the way they're reading scripture. It cannot be separated from the entire economy of salvation. The hermeneutic is the salvation, and the salvation is the hermeneutic. And it's all brought about in Christ Jesus. Now let me end on a negative note. Where Jesus Christ is not the lens through which Scripture is interpreted, I'm afraid the economy of the gospel of salvation cannot be properly grasped where he is not the summing up, where he is not the recapitulation. I'm afraid we've missed both salvation and revelation. Forging Plowshares is a community dedicated to cultivating the peaceful kingdom by providing in-depth, transformative biblical and theological education and discipleship. If you have found this podcast valuable, please remember to share on social media. If you have questions about what you've heard, or if you'd like to learn more about how you can get involved with Forging Plowshares or even support this ministry financially, please visit our website, forgingplowshares.org.